Good morning. Good morning. Waking with the Stop. word. the day in the word. Give yourself a shake and grab yourself a coffee. And a cup of tea. Waking, Waking with the word. Good morning. Welcome to another Waking with the Word. Today we're in part 12 of Finding the Kingdom of Heaven after Easter. Today I want to ask you, who are you walking with? We've spoken about Paul walking down the Damascus Road and how Jesus shone a massive big light and asked him, why are you persecuting me, Paul? Paul was not walking with Jesus, he was walking against Jesus. He was walking against God's plan, against what God was doing, and he was trying to eradicate what God had actually ordained to happen on earth. This never works. Paul found that out. God saw something in Paul's heart, and that made God realize or God decide that Paul was worthy and worth a personal relationship with God through Jesus. Some people work against God's plan for their life and God doesn't decide that in their heart there's something that shows him that they are ready for or worth a relationship with God. Some people put a lot of passion into evil and negativity because they want evil and they want negativity because they have no respect for other people or for God. But other people are sincerely wrong. In other words, they sincerely think they're doing the right thing, even though they're hurting others or they're evil in some way. And yes, yes, God's intention is that he shows them what they're doing, but he wants to do it in such a way that he also affirms their heart because their heart is to do what he wants them to do. And their heart is to love other people. Their heart is to care for other people. Jesus hung on the cross and he said, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. This says to me that Jesus could see that there were those in the crowd who thought they were doing the right thing. Through the centuries, we see horrific acts of cruelty and torture, great injustices done to different people, many people. But we also see that those that did them a lot of the time genuinely thought they were doing the right thing. There appears to be this very funny line between hateful actions and loving intentions. I've heard people in the church say, love is tough. <laughs> I think no, no, God's love isn't tough. God's love is gentle. But God's determination to teach me and to prove himself to me and to refine my character and to take me away from anything that damages me is hard. He's strong. God's love is strong, not tough. It's gentle, but it's gentle and firm. It's the meekness I spoke of yesterday. God's love is meek. There's so much power in it, and yet he controls it. A dear friend of mine, who is one of the people who work with the Come Back to God campaign, Gary, 
He spoke to me once about the books of Narnia, the lion, the witch and the wardrobe, as we call them. And he said that the lion, Aslan, is described as a wild lion. And he said that that really affected him because he realised that God was wild, as in God was his own person. He was out of our control. He could rip us to pieces, but he chooses not to. That's meekness, and God's love is incredibly meek. We have to be very careful in our walk with God. Now, please let me point out here that being careful is not being care-filled. To be care-filled, I'm filled with care, I'm filled with anxiety, I'm filled with worry, I'm filled with concern. No. God said, cast your cares upon me. God says, do not be afraid. God says, do not worry. How can you not worry when you're in the presence of such a strong, majestic, powerful and wild animal? Because that animal, that creature, that entity that, yes, could rip you to pieces as Jesus promised us, loves you chooses you but it's his choice not yours it's because his character does not change that you do not have to fear or be care-filled because you know who he is just take that in for a moment just sit for a moment and realize who it is that is walking beside you. He is so gentle that he will look into your heart's intention when you are doing something that is harmful and hurtful and that he would call evil and all evil is wrong in his eyes. But he would look into your heart and he would see who you are. He would not want to keep you that way and he would not want you to continue to do that thing but he won't break the tender reef. He won't crush you but he will mould you and he will soften you and he will at some points allow you to break because he loves you and you have to go his way. You have to ride the mountain tops with him. He won't come and live in the valley with you. He'll be there in the valley, but he won't keep you in the valley. And sometimes we don't realize we're in a valley because he's never been able to take us to the mountain top because we have been walking the way of the valley. God wants us to realize that he's a powerful, holy, pure and very strong love. But he is firm. And he will shine the light as he shone it for Paul. And he will appear as he appeared on the Emmaus Road. When you're grappling with ideas and wondering why things have happened and wondering what's going on and trying to find something 
something in scripture or Christian society or the way of the world that makes sense of what's happening for you, he will appear. But he will expect you to listen to him and he will appear and then disappear. And what I mean by this is Jesus appeared to them. Jesus gave them spiritual understanding and then Jesus disappeared because they were to hold on to the spiritual understanding and not the earthly man. When we hold on to our understanding, when we hold on to the old things God has done or the old things God has said, we're not walking with him. We're not progressing on that journey. It's nothing of earth that I am to walk with. Even if I am married, which we see as the closest relationship, but I tend to think possibly the closest relationship is sometimes that of a child and a parent. Whoever we have an affinity with on earth, that will never be the relationship that has the most affinity possible because that relationship is with God. And the relationship with God must become the most important thing for me and you if we are truly to benefit from the relationship with God. We are to seek an affinity with him before everything else. We are to listen for his voice. We are to realize the strength that is in him and his love. But also we are to fear with reverential, deep fear, the lion that he is, the creature that he is. It is his way, not mine. Can you imagine that lion that beast, that untamed character coming and sitting beside you and saying, I'll live with you. Would you not be scared? And yet the majesticness of who he is, the grandness of who he is, the incredibleness of who he is, all the things he offers, the love, the protection, just who he is, not even what he offers, just who he is. You would want him with you, I want him with me. But it's got to be his way. It's got to be me walking with him. For each one of the people we've talked about, the earthly Jesus appeared, reappeared, then disappeared. It's funny, isn't it? He came. He died, he reappeared, he went. And the whole point is, as he said to Mary, I've not gone to my father yet. Don't hold on to me now. What you are meant to be hold, holding on to, what you are meant to be looking for, is what my heavenly father will send when I've gone. Yes, it's here now, it's the Holy Spirit, or he is the Holy Spirit. A spiritual relationship with God, a better, deeper fuller relationship with God, but it will come. It will come when you know what you're looking for, 
when you realize what you're seeking for. You see, after he died and he rose again, they were seeking. Once they'd heard he'd risen again for him to come back, they were looking for the new thing on earth. When he first came, they were looking for the thing he would do on earth. But when he rises again, he promises that the Holy Spirit would come and that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon you. It wasn't that the power would come because something was going to happen on earth. It wasn't that they would have power because some event would happen on earth or God would answer their prayers on earth. The power was nothing to do with earth. It was nothing to do with what was going to happen on earth. The power was to be inside of them. The power was to be a spiritual relationship, lifestyle, experience, something dynamic that there is no words for. The very energy of the life of God. Falling upon them and changing them. That, that was what they were to seek for. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven? It's not God doing things on earth. It's not being the hands and feet of Jesus on earth. The kingdom of heaven is a powerful relationship with the Holy Spirit. Way back in the Garden of Eden, the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters and that word hovers, hovered in the Hebrew means to tremble with excitement. He was trembling with excitement over what he was about to create. He was about to create human beings who could walk with him and talk with him. And the whole story of scripture and the whole set of events throughout all of our time have been pointing and leading me and you back, back into that relationship where we walk and talk with him. That's what we've to seek. When we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth, we're praying, Lord, bring that relationship back. Yes, events follow. Yes, signs and wonders happen after the preaching of the word. Yes, faith is born. Yes, lives are changed. Yes, situations change. Yes, prayers are answered. But it starts and it continues. And it happens and it lives only because we seek that relationship. Just that relationship. Leave the events to him. Leave the changes to him. Leave what you should pray for, for him to tell you any will. But get in line with seeking him, not seeking an event, not seeking a person, not seeking an evidence on earth. He'll make you evidence. He will put a mantle upon you that people will recognize. I am so grateful 
for the one who walks with me. But often these days I hear him say, are you going my way? Are you coming with me? And sometimes he does come to me in his majesty and he makes me realize how great, how big, how holy and how scary he is. Because he's Lord. And he gently leads us into that relationship where we realize he's Lord. Jesus said, not to fear man, not to fear anything on earth, but to fear the one who could destroy the whole body and soul in hell. That's not Satan, that's God. Jesus holds the keys to heaven and hell, to life and death. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's God. Our pride stands so much in the way of a relationship with him that he allows it to be puffed up, puffed up, puffed up, and then he'll crush it. He'll let us drop. And sometimes I think, Lord, why did you do that? Why did that person suffer this? Why did I have to go through that? And he says, number one, I couldn't save you because you went that way yourself. And number two, you thought you knew best and you've got to learn you don't. Because I want to take you to the mountaintops. I want you to walk with me and talk with me. I want you to hear my voice. I want you to receive my power. I want you to know my name. The authority of my name, of being one of mine, my children. My friend. But it comes through walking with me. Through seeking that relationship that's not found of earth or on earth. All of the people we spoke about in this series learnt that. That's what Jesus was teaching them. I haven't gone to my father yet, he said. Don't hold me in human form. Because when I go to my father, I will hold you in a relationship that you've never, ever experienced before, Mary. Dear Mary, who had a broken, broken heart. The physical Jesus could never heal that. What only would heal that for her was a dynamic infilling of God. The energy of the life of God. That's what's promised in John 3.16. In the Greek it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, or sent his only son, so that none should be useless, but all should inherit or receive and be filled with the energy of the life of God. What Jesus could do on earth, in the body, now, 
he will do thousand times more by the power of the Holy Spirit he will heal more broken hearts he will meet more women at the well he will heal many many more people who have found themselves crippled through life and unable to walk they will walk again because of the energy of the life of God but we've got to go the way that energy is going we've got to trust that lion that is wild to take us the way that he wants us to go, right up to the mountaintops. Peter learnt the lesson that God was bigger. Mary was taught to seek something not human. Thomas had to go through the experience to realise the power and to accept that God did have that power, that the impossible can happen, but it only happens with a revelation of who God is and that he's more important than anything. The men on the Emmaus Road were to realise that you need that relationship to understand the scriptures. Get in line with the relationship and the scriptures will come alive. And Paul, he had to realise that he needed a dynamic relationship with the spiritual being who is God to fully understand the scriptures and also to put the passion and the genuine care that he had into something that God approved and that would change this planet. That's the power of the energy of the life of God. That's the kingdom of heaven. That's what we're seeking to find after Easter. I will speak to you tomorrow. All my love. God bless. If you would like to support our work, you can find details at info at comebacktogod.org.